0: You know that feeling when you're really hungry, like super hungry, like your stomach is in knots and it's growling and it's making all kinds of, of weird noises? My kids, when, when they're hungry, I've noticed this phenomenon occurs. They actually start melting. They're like, Dad, I'm hungry. And they're like, Dad, I'm hungry. And the hungrier they get, they get smaller. They're like, Dad, I'm really hungry. And I'm afraid they're just going to end up in a puddle of like clothes and tennis shoes is all that's left. It's terrifying. What do you do when you're hungry? You eat, right? And the hungrier we get, the more desperate we get. So when we're first hungry, it's like, yeah, I could eat, Like, what sounds good? And then before you know it, you're on a Taco Bell bender just killing 59 cent tacos like they're manna from heaven, they're great. The worst is when you get hungry late at night And so you go to your fridge and you open it up and it's like, what do I want? And there's nothing there. You just stare at it for a while. And then you go to the pantry and you open it up and you still can't really find anything you're that excited about. And so before you know it, you're sitting on the couch, just scooping crumbs out of the bottom of the chip bag with one finger, just licking the seasoning off. Oh, you've never done that, huh? Liars. My family tells me that I get hangry. That's when you get so hungry that you start to get angry. Some of you know what that's all about. Well, what do you do when you're hungry? You eat, and sometimes just a small snack, something little will kind of tide you over, will get you through. Other times you gotta go bigger. You find yourself standing there holding two plates, wearing your stretchy pants at Shady Maple, and you're like, I don't know how I got here, and I hope nobody sees me, but I'm gonna do this thing. You gotta eat. Our bodies are made that we have to eat. When we get hungry, our stomach sends a message to our brain and it tells us, you need nourishment. You need to eat. And we all have different tastes, likes, dislikes. We try different diets. But all of us have to eat. And so that's physical hunger. But what about spiritual hunger? Because just like your stomach, is empty sometimes. Occasionally your heart and your your life feel empty. What do we do when we're spiritually hungry? That's what we're going to talk about today. If you have a Bible with you, we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. So if you flip open your Bible, you get to like the Psalms. That's kind of in the middle there. You've gone too far. Go left. Go back. You'll find Nehemiah. It's a small book there. We're going to meet a guy named Nehemiah. We're gonna call him Hungry Nehemiah. See, we're in this series called, Are We There Yet? And we're saying that for Christ followers, for Christians, we sort of, we have this goal, we have this destination. And in one regard, we've arrived. See, when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that God welcomes you into his family. He calls you his son, or his daughter, and there's nothing higher, there's nothing greater, there's nothing to achieve beyond being called a child of the king. There's nothing more that you can esteem to. That's as good as it gets, and yet we're all still sort of on this journey to become the person that God wants us to be, and so when we talk about spiritual hunger, the day that you placed your trust in Jesus, God filled you up he gave you meaning. You, if you are a Christ follower, you have arrived. Jesus is everything. He is all that you need. And at the same time, we're on this journey. And in this life, we are never fully satisfied. And sometimes we find ourselves feeling particularly empty. So what do we do? What do we do when we are spiritually Hungry. That's what we're going to talk about today. And before we dive in, I want to define spiritual hunger. And so I'm just going to say it's be good to write down or just keep filed away in your brain. I'm going to say that spiritual hunger is the need of our heart or of our soul to feel whole. So let me tell you what's going on in the world when we meet Nehemiah. God has chosen a group of people. They're called the Israelites. He has chosen them to be his people. And their story kind of journeys through the Old Testament, and there's a pattern to their story. God calls them, he says, follow me, follow my commands, my decrees. And for a while, they do. They do what what God asks them to do. But then after a while, they're like, yeah, we kind of think we have a better way, we're gonna try our way, and so they, they go a different direction. And it usually ends up they're in a bad spot, And so they cry out and they go, God, okay, fine, we need your help. And God rescues them, he restores them, and they get back to following God. And they do that for a while, and then the pattern repeats, and they kind of go off on their own. And God is super gracious. God lets us make our own choices. He doesn't force himself on anybody. But often we have to live with the consequences of those decisions. And so, enter Nehemiah. He is living with the consequences of some decisions that his ancestors made. And so, instead of being in Jerusalem where he belonged, because he's a Jew, he belongs in Jerusalem, instead of being there, we meet him in a palace in the enemy's country, in Babylon. See, Babylon had come to Jerusalem about 140 years earlier and wiped out Jerusalem, they had burned down the temple. They had destroyed uh, the houses and they had knocked down the wall that went outside, uh, that went around the outside of the city. And they took a bunch of, most of the Israelites, and they took them to Babylon so that they could make them work for them. They made them their slaves. And so this is the backdrop for Nehemiah. The Israelites have been in captivity in Babylon for uh, 140 years. And, you know, we read stories in the Bible about the Israelites being in captivity. At various times, they're in exile from their country. And you kind of wonder like, why don't they just go home? Like, why don't they just, can't they just leave? There's a bunch of them, just leave. Babylon and Jerusalem are worlds apart. And what stands between them is about a thousand miles of the Arabian desert. And so they're not just picking up one day and going home. It would take months They would never be able to put together enough supplies to make it through. And so they're stuck a world away from home and enter Nehemiah. We're going to follow his journey a little bit and see if we can learn something about what it is to be spiritually hungry. So Nehemiah 1, starting in verse 1. It says, this is the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah." In the month of Kislev of the 20th year, while I was in the citadel in Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. So we meet Nehemiah. It says the month of Kislev, that's November, December. It's like the end of the year. This is 445 B.C., and they are in Babylon. Nehemiah's brother Hanani comes from Judah, that's the country where Jerusalem is. He comes from there and he reports to Nehemiah. And what Nehemiah wants to know is he goes, hey, I wanna know about The people, I want to know about the people that survived. I want to know about the people that have been sent back. Over time, the Babylonians had released in waves some Israelites. About 70 years earlier, they sent some home. About 15 years before this, they sent some home. Hanani and I must have been in that group. So he's been home. He's seen Jerusalem. He comes back. And Nehemiah's like, yeah, I I want to know what's going on in Jerusalem. And so he asked about the people. He asked about the city. Here's what he finds out. Verse 3. Hanani says, those who survived the exile and those who are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. And honestly, this is devastating. It's worst-case scenario. In the ancient world, the wall of a city was super important. The wall protected everything that was inside the city, but it also spoke to the majesty of the city. So the wall of Jerusalem was important because Jerusalem is the city of God's people. It's supposed to reflect God's majesty and God's glory. And the wall is supposed to show God's protection and God's might and his hand and his strength. And it is in ruin. On top of that, in the city, the, the, the wave of people who had gone home 70 years earlier, they had rebuilt the temple that had been destroyed. So there is a temple. The Jews are there. They're worshiping God, but there's no wall to protect the temple. And so at any moment, someone could lay siege to the city and destroy the temple again. And so it's just, it's really sad for Nehemiah. Jerusalem is sort of the one thing that, that they felt like they could count on. It's the one thing they, they looked back on, and it was, their, it was their pride, it was their prestige. For 140 years, through the generations, they had been talking about how great Jerusalem could be. And so, although Nehemiah has never been there, in his heart, it's home, and he longs for it, and it's in ruins. And so look at the response. Nehemiah's heart is broken for Jerusalem And his soul is empty. And he realizes he's spiritually starving. Watch how he responds. Verse 4. He says, When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Here's what I think is happening. It's pretty easy to go through life and not really think about God if we're just honest. Like we can go a lot of days and not really think about God because we're busy and life is happening and we've got school and we've got work and we've got meetings and we've got errands and we're having lunch with a friend and we got to get home to make dinner so we can get the kids to soccer practice and we're binging some show on Netflix that we want to get to, and we got to prepare for a meeting tomorrow. And we've got all these things going on, and we're doing, and we're doing, and we're doing. And it's kind of easy for a day and days and maybe weeks and longer to go by, and we don't, we don't really think about God that much. And then one day we wake up and we realize, oh, we are starving spiritually. We are, we are empty. It's, it's kind of like this. I, I, have you ever gone through a whole day? You get to the end of your day and you're like, I think I forgot to eat today. Like you're busy or you're doing something fun playing around or whatever. And you get, you look at your watch and you're like, how did that happen? Like, I, I think I forgot to eat. You didn't even realize you were hungry cause you were so engaged in whatever it is you were doing. I think the same thing happens spiritually. I think we're going along and and doing life and we don't even realize that we've gotten hungry. We don't realize that we need to stop and eat. We forgot because we were so busy and we just kind of go through day after day after day after day in our routine and we're not spiritually hungry and we don't think about God that much and sadly, it often takes something drastic happening that we realize we're hungry. Oh, a, a tragedy has occurred. Oh, now we're in crisis. Now we realize, God, we, we, really, we really need you. And now we're on the edge. We're in that spiritual hangry kind of zone, right? Where we're starting, we're even mad at God because God feels so distant. Maybe some of us feel that way right now, today. So watch Nehemiah. He's spiritually, he, he's hungry. But he wisely turns to God. And I'm going to read his prayer. But as I do, I want you to just think about something. Just put this at the front of your brain. Are you hungry for God? Like, is your heart, is your soul hungry for God? Let me read his prayer. Nehemiah 1, verse 5. He says, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, just sidebar if you're like hey i you know my prayer life it's kind of lacking i don't even i don't even know where to start maybe prayer to you is like this foreign thing maybe it's just been a while you where do i even start here read these words these are incredible words pray these words our great and awesome god who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open and hear the prayer that your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. This is a desperate man. This is a hungry man who's going, God, I got nothing. Please hear me, God. He says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, that we have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, the decrees, and the laws that you gave your servant Moses. You could just hear it in his voice. It's this sort of come to Jesus, come to God moment where he just goes, God, okay, we screwed up. Please hear us. Please, God, we need you. Change our hearts. He continues, remember the instruction, God, that you gave your servant Moses. You said... If you are unfaithful, and they had been, I will scatter you among the nations. And God did. That's what's happened. That's, they were unfaithful. That's why they're in Babylon. But, but, God, you also said, if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Just really interesting, Nehemiah goes, hey hey God, remember you said, if we are unfaithful, okay, we have been. You said that you would scatter us. Okay, you did. But you also said, God, you also said that if we cried out to you, no matter where we were, or how bad we'd been, that you would bring us home. So God, we're calling out to you. Verse 10, these are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this servant. That's the second time he's asked that. And to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Nehemiah is going to go and talk to the king. And Nehemiah says, I was cupbearer to the king. I want you to see something about how Nehemiah prays. See, there are two different types of prayers. There are sort of two different ways to pray. One way of praying is focused on our circumstances. It's God change my circumstances. It looks like, God, God, would you heal my body? God, would you help me get that promotion? God, would you help me get into a good college? God, would you... Repair my marriage. God, would you watch over us as we travel? These are prayers regarding our circumstances. There is nothing wrong with these types of prayers. Those are one type of prayers. There is another type of prayer that is not so much focused on our circumstances, but it's God, change me. It's God, change my heart. This is what spiritual hunger looks like. Nehemiah is going to get to the circumstance stuff. He's going to say, God, get us out of Babylon. You've got to get us out of here, Lord. He'll get there. But he starts with his heart. He starts with the heart of, of the Israelites. He says, God, God, change my heart. You see, if all we ever want, if all we ever want is to be able to go to God and ask him to fix stuff for us. If all we want is for God to be that cosmic genie in the sky, who when we have a problem, we can take it before him and say, here you go. If that's all we want from God, then we don't really want a relationship with God. We're just using God. If all we ever want is to be able to go to God when we have a problem and say, God, here you go. We don't want God. We just want what God has to offer us. We're just using God. So my question for you would would be, when's the last time that you prayed? God, would you change me? Would you change my heart? Not simply, God, would you heal my marriage, but God, would you show me what it looks like to walk like Jesus would walk? in this marriage not just god would you give me a new job but god would you show me what contentment looks like not god just simply would you would you just heal me god god would you show me how to suffer well god would you show me how to walk through trial well See, I think what happens for a lot of us is we've chosen to follow Jesus with our life. And we go, okay, God gave us our life. He gave it meaning and purpose. He's filled us up. And so we think that we're not supposed to be hungry anymore. And so we just go through life and we don't really think about God that much until we have a problem. And then we go, here, here, God, fix this. I got something for you today. See, what God really wants from us, what God really wants from me and from you it is to come to him hungry every day. It's not that we just go, okay, I, I believe in the whole Jesus thing, so He slopped a big pile of Jesus on our tray and that's enough to eat. No, it's that we've come to him every day and go, God, I'm hungry. God, I'm starving. God, I need you to fill me up. Not that we'd get to a crisis point where we'd have to shout, God, I'm starving like Nehemiah did, but where we, every day, we would go and we would get filled up. That we'd say, God, we need you. God, change me. God, change my heart. God, I'm hungry. God, fill me up. I mentioned my kids, I have young kids. Sometimes I have to, Sometimes I have to remind them to eat. They'll be playing, they'll be having fun, they'll be down in the basement, whatever. We don't know what goes on down there, but they're having a good time. They're having fun and they totally lose track of time. And we got to remind them to eat. We call them to the table and they're like, we didn't even know it was time. We were, we were playing, we were doing whatever. They didn't even know it was time to eat. They don't want to stop honestly playing because they're having fun. And I hate to be the bad guy. I hate to ruin their fun. But I know they need to eat because if they don't eat, apparently their bones are going to start melting and they just start going, Daddy, I'm hungry, right? Hangry is right around the corner for my kids if they don't eat. I know it's coming. They're going to get hungry. And they're going to crash and burn. And so I make them stop what they're doing. And I call them to the table because I know, I know they need to eat. Family, can I call you to the table today and tell you it's time to eat? Can I remind you that for some of us, it's, it's been a while since you've eaten. It's been a while since you've filled up spiritually and you're cruising through life and you know, everything's kind of, it's going okay. And honestly, you know maybe the whole Christianity thing, yeah, the Jesus thing is cool, but it's like you don't really think about it that much. Life's going all right. Can I tell you that it's time to eat? Can I call you to the God's table and tell you that you need to fill up so you don't crash and burn? Let me remind you what's on God's table, the feast that he prepares for us to to spiritually fill up on. It's right here in Nehemiah. There's a few things that we get, a few things that God is offering you. At God's table, there is always love. At God's table, there is love. Nehemiah declares, God, you are great and awesome. And you have sworn a covenant of love. Here's what that means. For God to enter a covenant means that God has sworn on His own name. Meaning, He can't break this promise. If He does, He ceases to be God. He cannot break this promise. And His promise is, His promise is to love us all the time. To love me, to love you. No matter how unloved you feel, no matter how unlovable you feel, no matter how much you feel like I've done all kinds of things for God to not love me. Oh, he's promised. He's promised to love us. And if you have that hunger in your heart, that need for love in your life right now, and you feel unlovable, and you feel unloved, that is a sign, that is your soul telling you you need to eat, you need to fill up you got to decide where you're going to eat. God's design is that you would find love in him. And his promise is that any time we come to the table, he will fill us up. He will give us love. Sitting next to love on the table. At God's table there's forgiveness. Our God is a God of forgiveness. That's why Nehemiah says, "God, forgive us of all of our sins." Again, I think there's a trap that we fall into here. Christ's follower. It's the are we there yet part. It's that we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got the whole Jesus thing. He died on the cross for me. I believe in that. He rose from the dead three days later. I believe in that. God offers me forgiveness for my sins. And we go, okay, done. And it's true. The Bible says that your sins are as far as east is from the west, that God remembers our sins no more. Then why do I feel like such a sinner? This is where God invites us back to the table. This is where he invites us to eat. This is where he says, yes, you've arrived, but you're still on this journey. And on that journey, you get hungry, and you feel like shame and guilt are chasing you down, and you feel like they're writing your story. They're not. God goes, come back, fill up at my table, because forgiveness is available. No matter what you feel like oh, I've done that, that's not gonna be forgivable, that's not gonna be forgivable, oh, not that. He goes, no, bring it to me, bring it to me, there's forgiveness, and he is always, the Bible says he is always faithful to forgive us our sins. The dessert on God's table is meaning. There's meaning for our life. It's why Nehemiah goes, God, I know we screwed up, I know this whole Babylon thing, this is our fault, we did this to ourselves. But God, I also know what you promised. You promised that you're not done with us yet. You promised to return us and restore us because you have a plan and you have meaning for our life. Maybe you're starting to wonder, what's this whole Jesus thing? Like, what is it really about? What's the point of it? Somebody said to me the other day, they said, I started following Jesus and and my life got worse. And I was like, yeah, I get that. I get that. You know what, so does God. But the hope and the promise and the meaning that He brings to your life is that He's not done with you. He still has a plan. Guys, I don't know where your relationship is with God today. I don't know if you walked in here and you feel great and you feel satisfied and everything is awesome. That's wonderful. But maybe you walked in today and you're feeling empty. Maybe you couldn't even describe it, but, but hearing this spiritually hungry, you're like, that, that's, that's it, that's, that's what I am. Maybe you're here today and you've never had a relationship with Jesus. And you go, my whole life, I've been empty. Each of us. Can I invite you to the table? Can I invite you to God's table? If you were physically starving, I'd go, hey, here's food. This is the answer. This is what you need. If you're spiritually starving, this is it. It's come back and eat. Come back and say, God, I'm hungry. I got nothing else. God, I gotta eat. I'm empty. And if that's you, it's as simple as what Nehemiah did. It's just saying, God, I need you. God, fill me up. God, I didn't No, I don't know how I got here, but somehow, God, I'm, I'm pretty hungry. I need to eat. Could you, could you pray that today? Could you be humble enough to say, God, I'm hungry. I need you to fill me up. Would you bow your heads with me? just for a moment I'm going to let it be silent and if you need to say God I'm hungry do it God I thank you that you have each of us on a journey and that you haven't given up on us You walk with us and when we fall, you help us up. And God, when we feel empty, you say, come and eat at my table. God, I thank you for the feast that you prepare on that table of of love and forgiveness and meaning. Everything that we need. God, today some of us are empty and we've been empty for a while for weeks months some of us years god maybe we're like nehemiah's people maybe we messed up maybe we're living with some consequences Okay, but here's what I know, God. You promised that if we cry out, you would restore us. You promised if we call on you, you will fill us up. And so right now, God, we're calling on you. We're hungry. We got to eat. Fill us up with your goodness and your love today, Lord. Jesus, thank you that you are everything that we need. Thank you that you always offer us, not just once, but you always offer us, offer to fill us up. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.